All right. Welcome to our 10 minute table talk, everyone. I am Pastor MDH. Thank you for joining us here on the set today. I want to draw your attention over to the book of Titus. You can meet me over there in chapter number two, and I'm going to lift up into your hearing a few verses for our time today. Paul writes, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Verse four, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chase, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. And just for a moment, I want to talk about the qualities of a sound church. Now, I am a pastor full and through called by God into the ministry to stand behind the sacred guest uh, desk and to be very, very aware of the position by which God himself has granted me. So as I stand before the people and dare say what thus saith the Lord, it is incumbent on me to be as correct as possible so that God's name would not be blasphemed in the hearers that are listening to me. It is very incumbent upon me because James chapter number three tells me that let not many of you desire to be teachers because greater is your judgment. Make no mistake about it. Those of us who preach, teach, those of us who have the privilege and the sacred honor to lead God's people in whatever season of life that we are in, that is a sacred duty, but it comes with tremendous responsibilities. And so here it is, Paul is talking to the young man and getting ready to inform him about what proper etiquette and proper doctrine looks like. We are living right now in a time to where the church is being bombarded with all types of false teaching. As a matter of fact, just a footnote, the 27 books of the New Testament, 19 of them have to do with false teaching. Out of the 27 books in the New Testament, 19 of those books mention some form of false teaching. It is a big, big, big deal. And as I look around the landscape of Christianity, I see false teachers upon false teachers. But the disturbing fact is that I see absolutely jam packed congregations 
with people that are listening to what is clearly false doctrine, but have no ear to hear what the spirit is saying to them, have no filter by which to, 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 to run the gamut of the word of God. People are packing into churches what the preachers and teachers are feeding them bad meat. Paul wants to nip this stuff in the bud. And just because it makes you shout don't mean that it's right. Just because it can make you holler and run around the church, that don't mean that you got a word from God. Just because the hair stand up on your arm does not mean that God is speaking to you. Just because it fits the moment does not mean it's from God. The Bible says that the, the, the scriptures are a double-edged sword. It cuts and it heals. This is when God's word is moving forward. Paul gives a couple of things for the men and for the women. He says, I want you to speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Doctrine means rules. It means um, the way in which we govern. It, 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 there is a set of doctrine that go along with the Christian faith that cannot be compromised. They are what make the Christian faith the Christian faith. Uh, we're talking about the divinity of Christ, the, the virgin birth. We're talking about the, um, the triune trinity. We're talking about doctrines or primary pillars of the faith that cannot be moved. It cannot be negotiated lest the whole um, structure fall. So Paul is talking about that we need to have things that are proper for sound doctrine. In your teaching, preaching, and admonition of God's people, you need to be sound in your instruction. You need to make sure that the words that you are saying are not coming from your own flesh and from your own understanding, but has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And then Paul gives us the formula about how this thing is supposed to happen. He says that the older men, watch this, the older men are to be sober, uh, sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Watch what he says about the older men. They are to be sober. There shouldn't be any drunk old men. They should be reverent. That means they should be controlled. They should be temperate. They should be temperate. Their temperature doesn't fluctuate like the wind outside. They should be sound in faith. The same sound is mentioned in verse number one when he's talking about being sound in doctrine. They, the older men should know that God can, that God will, and that God did. The older men should have a testimony of God's faithfulness. Thus, their faith should be solid in their older years. There shouldn't be any foolish old men. But as I've said before, age is not a dictation of wisdom. Just because you are of a certain age does not mean that you are wise because there's a whole lot of old fools out there. But Paul says that they need to be sound in faith. And then the last uh, the next thing is be in love and in patience. Think about this. If you've gotten to be 50, 60, 70 years old, you should be patient. Like God is giving you four, decade, uh, four decades, five decades, six decades, seven decades, eight decades, nine decades, 10 decades. If you've been able to transpond through life with all of those years under your belt, one of the things that you absolutely should have learned by now is patience because God has been patient with you. There's nothing worse than an impatient old person. That's why you see them driving slow on the roads. It's because they know I'll eventually get there. There's no need for me to speed. But the people around them are always honking their horns to get them to drive faster. Now, that's what he talks about the old men. And I'm going to say this to the old men. There should be some young men sitting under the shade of your tree. There should be some young men that you are mentoring to pass down what God is giving you. 
There should be some young men sitting under the shade of your tree. Who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? Who do you have under your tutelage right now? If you have no one under your tutelage, it's maybe because you don't have a lot to give. In verse number three, watch this. This is going to fly in the face of women's lib and women's liberation and this whole sexual freedom thing that we got going on in our world. Because Paul says this for the older women, older women, likewise, the same thing that he told the men is what he's telling the women. They need to be reverent in behavior, not ratchet. They need to not be slanderers, meaning gossipers not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That's what you want the women to be, the older women, the older women. We used to call them church mothers. See, we don't have church mothers anymore. Church mothers have gone. We don't have church mothers anymore. Uh, the ladies that dressed in all white and had the thing on the top of their head, they were the church mothers. Those were those mothers who you knew was about God's business. They've been seasoned. They love God. They love the ministry. And they were there to admonish. Now, watch what he says in verse number four about these older women who are supposed to be reverent, not slanderers, not given to much wine, and teachers of good things. Watch what he wants older women teaching younger women in verse number four. To admonish them, that means to encourage, to love their husbands and to love their children. So what is he saying? He is saying that the older women should teach the younger women that marriage is a good thing. That marriage is a good thing, that they should love their husbands, not be single their entire life, love their husbands and love their children. He is saying that the older women should teach the younger women to get married and have children. Oh, my God, Pastor Holman, you didn't just say that in 2023. That women should be married and having children to put them back in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant? Is that what you're saying? That's so chauvinistic of you. I want you to think about this and you ask any wife, ask any wife that is fulfilling her duty in the home, how absolutely satisfied she is. Ask any wife that has a husband that handles their responsibility, how at peace she sleeps at night. Ask a wife who has the blessings and the protection of God around her home, how fulfilled she is as a woman and not having to chase what the world is chasing. So he says to love your husbands, love your children. Finally, to be discreet, younger women. He said the older women should teach the younger women to be discreet. Listen, ladies, cover it up. That's somebody else's goods that you're showing. Cover it up. He says to be discreet, to be chaste, to be modest. This is what he's saying, that the older women have the responsibility of teaching the younger women, but it's hard for the older women to teach the younger women because the older women are doing exactly what the younger women are doing. Therefore, they can't teach them. You're too old to be out there dressing like that. Cover that stuff up to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, good and obedient to their own husbands. Here it is that the word of God may not be blasphemed. I want you to think about living a type of faith that makes it so desirable that other people want to that other people want to join. I'm, I'm going to say this and I'll end this. Listen, marriage is good. People mess it up. Marriage is good. People mess it up. Marriage is good. People mess it up. I've often said, I will continue to say that a woman doesn't mind following a man. She has no problem with that, but she will not follow a fool. 
A woman wants to follow a man that is headed in a direction. A woman wants to follow a man that's got his stuff together and knows where he's taking the family. And when a woman understands that, when a woman knows that, when a woman believes that, when she has embraced that reality, you don't have a rambunctious woman on your on your hands. You don't have a woman that's arguing with you and yelling at you and throwing pots and pans at you and cussing you out. You don't have that type of woman when that woman is assured in who she is. When she is grounded in her faith and her reality is stable, you don't have a rambunctious wife. This is what Paul is saying in chapter number two. And I think, I think that it's a good thing for us to revisit this and then put some things in place to get back to this place. Older men, let's start teaching some of these young guys that are coming up under us. But you got to have something by which you can impart to these young men, not just be old. Just because you're old don't mean we got to listen to you. We're going to respect you because of your age because we were raised right, most of us. But just because you're old don't mean that you demand the respect that comes from wisdom. You got to have something by which you are passing down to the generation that's following you. And if we don't write this ship and write it in a hurry, generations are going to be lost. Generations are going to be lost if we don't write this in a hurry. If we don't get back to what God has told for us to do, I'll say this again. Men, you are called to lead your home. You are called to be out in front that the arrows of the enemy must first hit you before they get to your wife and to your kids. You got to lead from the front. That doesn't mean that everybody in your house is going to make the best decisions. No, not by a long shot. However, men are supposed to lead. Men are supposed to lead. It's within the DNA of every single man. Now, every man leads at a different level. But it does not denote, does not defy the fact that you've been called to lead, especially within the confines of your home. That's what Paul is saying here. Ladies, he is calling for you to be discreet, chaste, lovers of your husband, lovers of, cho- of your children, so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Women, you do not know the power that you have in a man's life. The voice of the woman can make a man run through a brick wall or the voice of the woman can make a man jump off of a bridge. The voice of the woman under God is the most powerful voice in that man's life. Whatever you speak into that man's life, that's what he's going to become. I want you to hear this. And women that understand that sacred power, use it, use it to the glory of God. Women, you can speak blessings in your house. You can speak your man that's not doing something to be doing something just by the way that you handle yourself by being a godly woman and listening to the voice of the Lord as he he leads you. Man, it's some power that y'all got. That's what Paul is saying. I think we should get back there. How about you? I think we should get back there because I believe it's best uh, best for society. It's best for the church, ultimately best for the nation. And then by the grand scheme of things, it's best for the world. Everybody, thank you for joining us here on the Set of Studio B. Remember, be informed, be empowered. We will see you next week. God bless you.